Okay, here we go. The Ben and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio dial. Ben and Maggie Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. Episode 74 is ready to go. Only 24 more episodes and we'll pass the magic number of 98 achieved by Gilligan's Island. For more on this story, we go to Joe Castiglione, who's a legendary fan of Gilligan's Island. Of course, the first 36 episodes, Mike, were in black and white, although they were later colorized for syndication. The pilot episode, titled Marooned, was filmed in November 1963. The pilot featured seven characters, but only four of these characters and their associated actors were carried forward into the series. That would be Gilligan, Bob Denver, who died in 2005, the skipper, Alan Hale, and the Howells, Jim Backus, and, of course, Natalie Schaefer. <laughs> what a character she was. Because of the three significant character changes between the pilot and the first episode, the pilot wasn't shown before the series first aired on September 26, 1964. The original pilot eventually aired over 29 years later on TBS. Okay, thanks, Joe. That's quite enough from you. I'm Peter Puller, your staff announcer, unionized and proud of it. And now from the Pelinot Pella, take two, Mark. Peter, you okay, Peter? And now from the Pelinot I can't do this. Sorry. I quit. Mike, take over. Wow. Hey, Mike, get in here quick. Jesus Christ. I'm so sick of that guy. Can we fire him now? He sucks. Where did he leave off? Oh, the Planet Mikey podcast with Bill, don't call me Dr. Smith, who's coincidentally been lost in space since the 60s. <laughs> and Ben Kitchen. It's not that he's cocky. It's more that he just knows for a fact that he's way more awesome than you. <laughs> and Mikey Adams, who personifies the convergence of unlimited potential and tragically unfulfilled potential. <laughs> okay. Tonight's guest is... <laughs> is VB, host of VB in the Middle. Heard on WRKO, noon to three, following Bill O'Reilly, and before Howie Carr. Does that make him a centrist? Let's find out. VB joins us live from his home studio. <laughs> Mr. Adams, the pleasure is always, and you know, every adult male has answered this question, except I don't know that Joe Kassig has ever answered it. Am I at liberty to ask Joe Kassig a quick question? Here? Yeah, sure. Hold on. Let me get him back in here. Joe? Yeah, go ahead. Yo, you, uh, your Gilligan's Island take was very good, but I've never heard you weigh in on it. So, uh, Ginger or Mary Ann, Joe Kostig. Well, of course, I banged them both in 66. <laughs> Mary Ann was a lot more down-to-earth, and Ginger, of course, was had that exotic, uh, expensive whore feel of about, about her. That's, they were both pretty good. I, I actually preferred Natalie Schaefer. She was uh, easy. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. BB, we've lost it here on the program. <laughs> we just gotten it. Are you kidding me? We're rocking and rolling already. So it's the it's the virus. You know, people are losing their minds, man. And I I, I don't know what to tell you. There's no solution in, at at hand here. Uh, hold on, honey. I can't talk right now, Eleanor. I'm talking to Mike Adams. Been up to. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. There you go, Mikey. Oh, God, love her. See, somebody's doing something during this coronavirus isolation. 
It's just not me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we pass our time in our household, uh, yeah. right there. That, that well, was scripted, rehearsed for hours. Really? That's <laughs> good. Well, that's that's the end. Of, you know, production values are necessary here on this particular podcast. I got to tell you, you, your kids. You, I see your tweets all the time. Your kids are adorable. Yep. They're really sweet. Oh, hold on. Ella's got one more message. Okay, good. Say hi to Shaka for me. Shaka Khan. <laughs> she remembers the old bit from 30 years before she was born, Adam. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very but good. But, you, you know, I think, VB, you're being pretty creative with those kids at home. I know the learning process has come to a screeching halt, thanks to the governor and, uh, and all the paranoia. But you seem to be entertaining the little ones pretty well and in uh, some fun ways. Uh, we try and keep mix it up, have some videos. It's funny, Actually, what ends up happening is they, I have to like rein them in because believe it or not, they take after their mom. They're a bit of a ham, if you can believe that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so but, listen to this, Adam. Today, obviously, it's pouring rain out, so it's a movie day. Yeah. And I've recorded a bunch of movies for them over the last couple of weeks to just have in case, right? Yeah. So I'm going through them today, and I'm like, all right, guys, we got Miracle. We have Back to the Future here. We got this new Scooby Doo movie <laughs> they made. My daughter picks The Incredible Mr. Limpet from 1965. Oh, I'm like, wow. what? I never even heard of this movie, but wow. somehow she knew about it. Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Yep. When are you going to introduce them to Bloodsport? <laughs> yeah, right. My son's all about all of that type of stuff. He's, yeah. all, he's like, Dad, when's the UFC starting up again? I said, oh, when you're five. Do yourself a favor <laughs> and stay, just stay away from Clockwork Orange till they're at least 17. Just, uh, just <laughs> that good tip, Adam. That, I always come to you for parenting advice because you bring gems like that. I'll tell you, I had Clockwork Orange affected me in a in a real serious way in like 1971. I guess that's when it came out. I became an asshole. <laughs> I mean, basically, I became Alex, you know, mentally for a while. I, honestly, I was even considering ultraviolence, but. I watched the thing, you know, uh, not to be deterred, I watched it 19 times. That was a, uh, a tremendous, uh, tremendously impactful movie on me, Clockwork Orange. Have you seen that, all you guys? I, uh, yes, I, did, I yeah. absolutely have. Um, did you f often find yourself just kind of singing, singing in, in the, the rain, rain after that movie? Yes. Honestly. I, and drinking milk well, from a tit? I got, kicked out of, I got kicked out of prep school at Avon Old Farms, okay, right when that movie was just had just come out. I think it was right around then. And I was kicked off the campus, banned for the, from the campus for life at that prep school <laughs> by the headmaster, George Troutman. So I said, I, I'm going to the graduation. I don't care what they say. You're not allowed to be here. I don't know. The cop's going to be there or whatever. What are they going to drag me away? So I dressed exactly like the guy in Clockwork Orange. I had a, a derby hat. I had a cup on the outside of my white jumpsuit. Honest to God. And I was carrying a, a big riding crop, which looked like a cane. And I had eye makeup under one eye. I was crazy. And I went and I sat in the second row at graduation, and boy, were people, they were frightened. They thought I had really lost my mind here. But uh, yeah, anyway, VB, well, keep Adam, your kids away. you mentioned your headmaster, George Troutman, not to be confused with Colonel Troutman from First Blood. You did notice, of course, this week the passing of Brian Dennehy, who played the sheriff in Rambo. Right. That one gives me a bit of a pause right there. The legend, the giant that was Brian Dennehy. Well, he, in that movie, he was. A, that was a tremendous movie, of course. The, the, the first First Blood was way better than anything that that happens happened subsequently yeah. you know that was it actually had a plot you you actually had some uh empathy for 
for uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone. It had a point. Yeah, right. The Jack. other movies didn't have a point right. other than, hey, let me see this uh, jacked up American dude kill yeah. foreigners all right. for two hours. Oh, so First Blood actually had a point it to it, and it was a good movie. So George Troutman, hard ass headmaster at Avon Old Farms, who kicked me out of there in 1971. This is the this is what killed me. VB Heat. I end up working at Channel 3 in Hartford, which is the CBS affiliate. You know, this is some, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 years later. And he sent me a letter asking me, Mike, good to see He writes, Mike, good to see you doing so well at ESPN. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not on ESPN. <laughs> then he said, maybe you'd like to come back and talk to our students about careers in television. And I'm thinking, you son of a bitch. You kicked me out of that school. I'm not going anywhere with you. You know? Anyway. Did you go to prep school, VB? I know how he did. I did. Kimball Union Academy in uh, New Hampshire up by Dartmouth. Fantastic. Did not get kicked out. You did? (laughs) (laughs) You did something right. Howie went to what? Deerfield Academy, right? He did. He was a day student at Deerfield. Oh, that's see that. to tell everybody. That doesn't count. You're not really a prep school person (laughs) if you're a day student, right? I told you this. I've never had this proven, but the rumor when I went to Kimball Union was that Billy Squire had gotten kicked out of there. I've never been able to confirm or deny that, but we always went with it. Billy Squire. Something he did in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was was called the stroke at midnight. I said... Set you up, didn't I? I throw you a softball. Um, I actually met Billy Squire. He opened for Pat Benatar at the Springfield Civic Center, and uh, you know what ruined his career? That video he did, dancing with wearing chiffon on his bed. I don't remember that one on MTV. Have you ever seen that since? Look at it again and go, how the hell did they think this is a good idea? Let's send this to MTV. How did they not know that was going to be a career ender in 1980-whatever? Oof. It, it just was so unwatchable. It's so uncomfortably unwatchable, that that little video. I think I really do think that's what killed Boston-based Billy Squire's uh, uh, musical career. Can we get back to COVID for a second? Coronavirus, sure. Wuhan virus, whatever sure. you want to call it. China. So Charlie Parker, our governor today, says that schools are done. We're not We're not even going to wait. We're just canceling them. Let me make a movie reference that you'll all understand. Do you remember that scene in Jaws, Adams, when the boat starts taking on water and Chief goes in and he grabs the CB to call in an SOS, and as he's doing it, Quint grabs the bat and just smashes the CB down and it busts it, and then he throws the bat to Chief and goes, oh, sorry, and Chief goes, that's just great. That's great. So I, in yes. that story, I'm Chief Brody, Charlie Baker is Quint, and the CB was my hopes that school were somehow going to be opened again this year. <laughs> <laughs> I just right. Them with the right. I know. I have, uh, you know, I got the 14-year-old and the 10-year-old at home, and they've already played every video game nine times. You know, they've already uh, done every possible annoying thing. And they're good kids. But it, this being shut up... Don't you think that going outside, like, for example, playing golf, how can playing golf, if you, let's say you have your own separate cart, you don't have to sit on the same cart with somebody else. You go out into nature, you don't go stand up on the tee next to somebody and share their their air and their oxygen. They're at least six feet away from you at all times. Why can't someone say, okay, it's cool to play golf? I I heard they're going to reopen bowling alleys in some of these states. I think these politicians have become power hungry. They love bossing people around, and everybody's under control right now. But bowling alleys, though, you know how most of the guys have dirty balls. 
They no, I mean you touch a you touch a bowling ball. Not that my mind's not in. true in golf. I mean we all remember Bill Murray at the ball washer. Yeah, right. I mean come on, if we're talking dirty balls. There's dirty balls. That's true. <laughs> but you know bowling in particular, and I don't I don't want to you know linger on this bowling thing just because my my mind's in the gutter. But um, I'm going to tell you that don't get me going on bowling jokes. Once I get on a roll, okay. It's. I can't pin you down on this. I don't know. I, I got bowling jokes to spare. I really do. And and before you split tonight, I want to make sure I get them all out here on the table. Well, strike already. Come on. Um, <laughs> but what is what annoys you most about the? Uh, first of all, the network coverage of this whole thing. Do you you watch all three of the news networks? VB. I I uh, get back to Bill Maher. I am no Bill Maher fan. I've never liked the guy. I think he's a pompous ass, actually. But his speech this weekend on panic porn, yes. which he's calling the media, right. I thought it was as brilliant as it gets. That should be in the Smithsonian right now. Like, we get it. <laughs> Calm down with the making us feel like crap and that we're all going to die and that it's the worst thing in the history of the world. Just give us the information and let us make our own judgments on it. He's right about that. Yeah, right. let us go outside, too. This is crazy. Yeah, hey, hey, you know, he's right. Is what is You know, Bill Maher, I'm not a big fan of his. I think, you know, sometimes he's just a, an asshole. But he, 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 when you're right, you're right. Yeah. And his point was very well taken. I watch CNN. And all they do is they have a, a constant one-third lower uh, – the left one-third of the screen is numbers of how many people worldwide and in America actually have gotten the disease and then how many have died. So there's not a category that says how many have survived. So that on its face is a pessimistic view of everything, don't you think? I think so. Did everything you? they do is they just find people that are – have had the worst possible hospital experience ever. Like they couldn't do enough live shots at the Central Park Hospital that was never used. There was never anybody there, and it was a complete overreaction and unnecessary. But CNN got three days of coverage out of the thing, even though it was not a story. VB, did you hear a number something like ninety nine percent of those who contract the disease are cured, or they at least don't go to the hospital and they don't die? Well, this is what happens. So, you know, you always find your cause, and then that's the end of the world if you don't do that thing. So testing, testing, testing. So we've been hearing that for months. So finally they start testing at pretty high numbers. And as they test at high numbers, they realize that more and more people have had this and didn't even know it. What that means is then the death rate is obviously much lower than we thought up front. Well, if the death rate is so much lower than we thought, why are we still doing the thing that we had to do when it was higher? That's the part that no <laughs> right. one's been able to explain. Yet. Right, exactly. It's not logical, and I know that these don't call for illogical call for logical decisions. Sometimes panic is is automatically, you know, uh, a, a bad judgmental uh, uh, factor for most people, but. Just how about a little positivity like, well, this drug might be working, and uh, CNN doesn't cover that stuff because it seems like what they're trying to do is make sure that every fact they present is negative on either Republicans or Trump so yep. that they can uh, damage the, the product. That's their whole thing. Look, the stat that keeps getting everybody, and nobody ever wants to use it, at least on the media, is that more people have died from this thing that are over 90 than are under 30. Yeah. If that's the thing, right. and it is a thing, why can't we adjust how we're treating this and how we're acting? Oh, because somehow the 30-year-old's going to kill multiple 90-year-olds once he goes back to work, even though we all now know about social distancing and wearing masks and Purell in every five seconds, et cetera, et cetera. And even though the 90-year-old knows he's going to stay away from people, but apparently we still can't risk it. 
It's just so it's so negative, and I think that the world deserves, especially in a situation where people are actually getting hurt by the the paranoia itself. Mm. They deserve a little positivity. It's like the guy who went in the doctor. He didn't feel good, right? He went to the doc- doctor's office. He got a checkup. Doctor says, "I have good news and bad news. What do you want first? The guy says, "Well, give me the bad news first." Doctor says, "Well, you're terminal. You'll be dead in six weeks." The guy goes, "Oh, Jesus Christ! Well, what's the good news?" And the doctor said, "Did you see that hot nurse on the way in? I'm banging her." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but I, I'm looking for a positive outlook from people, VB. That's just what I do. I'm an optimist. I'm a cockeyed optimist, but there's nothing in my eye. I'll tell you this, Adams. I don't know who should be making the ultimate decisions here, but a constipated mathematician would know what to do. That's <laughs> right, exactly. And you know what the answer is, right? <laughs> He'd work it out with a pencil. He'd work it out with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we got one. Oh, God. So... Can we get the Gronk for a second? Yeah, we're gonna, yes. I was, we were going to do that next, actually, because you had a very clever uh, reference to Gronk uh, about him being on the Buccaneers, and you said, is he going to be a Gronkineer? And I thought that was extremely, in a Disney-like way, very clever. It is the Tampa Bay Gronkineers, right? I mean, it's <laughs> Tampa Bay. thing on this. Yeah, Tampa Bay. How unpleasant a human being is Bill Belichick? People are literally coming out of retirement to play for anybody else. How unfun is Foxborough? Well, I mean, well, you got to also consider that it's twenty years worth of being under his under Belichick's thumb for Tom Brady, so he would be the first one to bust apart. I was talking to Smitty. It's like when you leave your home after living with your parents your whole life, you don't hate your parents necessarily. You don't. Re- it's not that you don't respect them. You just want to get away, yeah. right? Yeah, I think, and I also think that Bruce Arians is like. He kind of looks like the Mike Adams of the NFL. <laughs> kind of cool. Devilishly handsome? Sometimes, yes, exactly. But sometimes you do want to chum something else, right? Yeah. And he seems to be the exact opposite of Belichick, and he's won, too. I mean, somebody that took the Arizona Cardinals to that close to winning the Super Bowl can't be that bad of a coach, right? So don't why you, not try it? Don't you think that there's a little bit of a security blanket factor with Gronk and Brady in that we know how successful Brady was when Gronk was his tight end, blocking for him, making catches for him. And we we also debated over all those years, oh, is it Belichick or Brady that's the reason that the Patriots are so successful? Well, it's both. We all know that. But Gronk probably feels like, well, I can go play with Brady and instantly have a chemistry. And Brady says, well, I need Gronk to block for me and make catches. Right? You saw this tweet, I'm sure, though. And this is the million-dollar question on this. But I forget who it was that tweeted out. But it's a picture of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce wearing Brooklyn Nets jerseys. And the guy just captioned it, this is Brady and Gronk in Tampa. That's the big question. Is that what this is? Two over the hill guys hoodwinking another team, or can they pull this thing off down there? Well, there's always eternal hope. I mean, I'm sure Brady's not going down there thinking, "Well, I don't know if I can do this." Or uh, I'm sure that Gronk figures now he can do it with if he has me there. You know, it, it's a combo platter. But I think Brady's trying to prove something. He's trying to prove that he can do do it without Belichick being attached to him because it's always Brady Belichick, Brady Belichick, New England Patriots. That separation had to happen eventually. And I think uh, we'll. I guess we'll, we'll know maybe if they have a season. You think they're going to have a season? No, hold on, You're, you you have uh, a tendency to be like Nostradamus at times. What do you think is going to happen? I think I think the Tampa Bay. If they play, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks will win ten games and lose six, and they'll make the playoffs, but they won't make the Super Bowl. And how do you think Brady and uh, and Gronk are going to perform? Like they usually did, except a, a minus ten percent. 
You know, because Gronk's smaller now than he was when he played. I mean, he's lost 30 pounds. That's right, yeah. He's not the same, but maybe he can build himself back up to that. But I I think it's just cute that they're playing together. You know what I mean? So it's like the patch after a brisk. They've lost 10%, but they're still effective. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, well played by VB once again. Yeah, now, but in this case, they don't look better. <laughs> now, VB. Well, who's next, though? I mean, is Dante Scarnecchia coming out of retirement to go down to Tampa? Like, is Gosnowski going to kick down there? Next- Ooh, what other expatriates do they want? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird scenario. But what's weirder yet is that no one knows has any idea when or if there's ever going to be crowds in stadiums, games on. You know what happens to that revenue? I mean, the players have to get paid. the The teams have to pay them, but they have no way of making any money. Sure. Did you see the dumbest thing of the day when it comes to sports? The NBA is talking about finishing the last season in the fall and then starting the next season right up in December. <laughs> no, it, it, you know, it, that's a good idea. That's, I do. Why? I actually think that's a good idea. Why? There's no separation. No, because, well, y- yes, but I think the end design would to eventually move the NBA season on a permanent basis from December to July. It actually makes more sense for them because they don't have to compete as much with the NFL starting in October. Because they yeah. no eyeballs, especially on a Sunday game. Yeah, you're really bucking tradition, though. Plus, what do you got to compete on the other end there? Just baseball. Yeah. Well, baseball and the MLS. Okay, but moving the schedule is fine. But finishing out the 2019-2020 season in the fall of 2020, all that is is uh, we hope LeBron can pull this off to get another title. That's yeah. just for him. That's the only reason everybody else will have to come out and risk their careers with injury so that LeBron can try and win one with Davis yeah. before Davis leaves And I can't LA. stand Why LeBron. Why would we do that? No, I, 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 from a basketball standpoint, I agree with you, but the other side of it, too, is they're probably, the league is looking at some way they can fulfill their TV contract deal, mm-hmm. and so they don't yeah. lose any more money than they've already lost, which is why what I imagine is the point for them in this. Yeah, but that's like you're buying a Mercedes, and they say, well, you know, we don't have that, but we'll give you this Kia. You know what I mean? It's like it's a partial. It's so it's like the strike shortened seasons in baseball. They they really suck. By the way, I must mention that we have a sponsor who really likes sports. Yeah, they really like us too. BetOnline.ag. Now, as we just discussed, there's no NBA, there's no NHL, there's no MLB, and many people are constipated across America as well. To add insult to injury, Uh, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be so darn wrong on that. I'll tell you right now. You mean there are things to bet on? Yes, there are. Do tell, do tell. Our our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. Wow. uh, Watermelon seed spitting contests and the like. No, they have an online casino. They're professionals. They have poker, blackjack, and they're bringing the Vegas to you. Whoa. Are you missing the NFL? No. No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that, yes, you can wager on, America. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Joey Chestnut, is that that guy? That's it. And the wiener is... All open 24 hours a day and all of them online. Visit the website. It's betonline.ag. Use your mobile device if you want. Join today and receive your new welcome bonus. How do they get that welcome bonus, Ben? By entering the code CLNS50. CLNS50. <laughs> Bet online. Your, your, your online wagering solution. All right. Put your money on Jeremy in Survivor. 
I don't give a rat's ass. Cambridge about firefighter. I do not awesome give dude. ass of a rat one for any of that stuff. You don't care about Cambridge firefighters? No. Well, yes, but that doesn't have. I don't oh, care Jesus about it. I mean, I care about the other side of it, the reality side of it. Like VB does. VB is our guest. He's a VB host of VB in the middle. Now, in the middle, was that name given to your show because you're between two conservative figureheads, Bill O'Reilly and uh, Howie Carr? That's part of it. Also, where's the action? right in the middle of the scrum, right? That's where the ball is. That's where everything is. So let's get right in the middle of this thing. Are it's you a like, centrist? And we're in the middle of the day. We're at noon. Are you really a centrist? Uh, no, I would say a smartest. For example, like, you know, people <laughs> keep back to COVID for a second. People keep talking about, like, herd immunity. To me, it's, it's herd irrationality that we got to be talking about more, which is this idea that if not everybody does what we say, we will bully them into submission, and therefore no smart decisions are being made by anybody. Yeah. Because we, we had this herd irrationality. That's what I try and go against. It's not about left or right for me. It's about common sense, and common sense seems to have been told it has to stay at home. What sense does that ever make? No, I. it's... Makes me hateful thinking about it. As, as my, but I, I heard a rumor that you actually at one time you voted for Obama. <laughs> what do you, you heard a rumor? Was that on the dark web? Where did that come from? Yes. That just came up out of nowhere. And so, here in Boston, yeah, we, we heard it from uh, China. <laughs> you did your Nostra Adams earlier. Let me give you my Nostra VB, and this is not one that I bring with any joy. But you noticed uh, Biden saying yesterday, Michelle Obama. I would love to have as my running mate. Of course he would. She's also not interested. That leads me to who is going to be his running mate. And I, I'm telling you, it pains me to say this, but I've been saying this for two months now. Who? It's going to be her. It's going to be her. So Michelle? you better brace yourself. Seriously? By her, I mean Elizabeth Warren. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you meant Michelle Obama. Holy crap. You know? Elizabeth Warren is the first president of the United States because Biden's not going to last long, I don't well, think. I, that's like the scare. See, that's frightening to me because, oh. I mean, I've had... Science teachers who reminded me of her. I've had, uh, oh, I, I can't begin to tell you all the problems I've had with people like her who are basically teachers who talk down to you and lecture you because they're the smartest people alive. Yeah, in the room. Right? Yep. You really you really think that, though, VV? It's going to be Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's got to be a woman, right? He's already told you that. This idea that it's going to be Stacey Abrams, no way. Yeah. Because of what Bill Smith just said. Bill Smith is a smart man and he understands how this works. At some point, you really <laughs> actually have to consider that this person might be the president. And nobody thinks that Stacey Abrams is qualified for that. Right. And they all love Warren. They think she's smart. She fooled them. And he's so, already said he's going to definitely be a be woman. Her. She said already she'd yeah. take it. And she he's committed it. to it being a woman. So how about Caitlyn Jenner? <laughs> I mean, That's if you really want to. <laughs> well, they have California already. So he wants to make a statement. Would bring to the ticket. But. <laughs> all right. Yes, hey, wait a minute. Sense. Didn't uh, Elizabeth Warren hang on just a little too long to make sure uh, old Bernie didn't get the, get the nod? Didn't she get in the way somehow? Absolutely. Yeah. She Bernie Bernie took her chances out. If Bernie was never in the race, I think Warren would have been the nominee. But Bernie she could never beat Bernie and she never calculated that. However, she stayed in long enough that somehow people went, We're not doing Bernie either. And then Biden it just sells to him, even though he keeps talking about that with the uh World War uh Roosevelt thing with the paper and you know, he just does these speeches like that that make no sense, but it doesn't matter because he's not burned. So she did him a big favor. I wonder when that was planned. 
These, are, these people aren't I'm cahoots. I'm just telling you, Nostra Adams. Mark it down. Did okay. the, uh, I got, we, we're on the record. Did the Democratic Party alienate the Bernie bros? Are they not going to show up for the election? I mean, Boy, the, the communists? Again? I mean, I don't know how that serves them, but I think there'll be a smaller portion that does, and I think mm. some of them will. Depends. I mean, there's a lot between now and then, and we got to see how this goes with the— if there's ever a recovery and or anyone ever goes back to work, I mean, this is just crazy. So, I, you know, I don't know that any of this is going to matter if the Charlie Parkers of the world just keep putting the hammer down. Charlie on Parker, exactly. I mean, at some I agree. point, people are not going to put up with this stuff anymore. I saw one guy theorize. I don't remember which one. I saw it online on the Internet. Uh, somebody was saying, well, you know what? The, the move for Joe Biden is to pick Michelle Obama because of her popularity. And then he he's can't handle the, the function of the presidency months in and he steps down and she becomes the president and then there's eight more years of an Obama in the White House yeah. with with Michelle <laughs> taking over for him because everybody knows the guy's wicked old and he's a stumbling bumbling he's got a, he's got borderline senile dementia we all know that yeah it's sad sad to watch but if you were Michelle Obama and you wanted to be president you would just say that and then Joe Biden would have to step aside and they would nominate you at the convention and you would get it. I mean, you don't need to even play that. It doesn't need to be that complicated. There's nothing in it for you to involve Joe Biden if you wanted it. She apparently doesn't want any part of it. Well, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But I, <laughs> it's sure it'll be interesting. You know, uh, I'm, I'm in a centrist libertarian, so I believe in small government. I think we should hire just midgets. Can you say midgets now, or is it small? No, you no. can't, no. Okay, sorry. Little people. Okay. Doesn't that sound worse? Wouldn't that be Kinda, great, though? Yeah. Small. One of the most underrated movies of all time, Mike Adams. Which I saw one? this Twitter thing yesterday. I said, what's a movie that people don't talk about enough for how great it was? There's a movie called Top Secret, and I know you can appreciate Ooh, it like I can. I love when that Val movie. When Val Kilmer says, I'll take this. I know a little German. He's sitting Why right over there. And then this little guy comes over speaking German. Oh, I, my God. I mean, God. that's the kind of comedy you and I love. Yeah. I like a, I like a you know, a, a, what are they called? Little people nut? They're not dwarves? Yeah. How no, come you can say the different. seven dwarves, but you can't say midgets? Because they're not real? Okay. Because, you know, all my friends played midget football when I was a kid. That was it for, for the little kids. And, it, it's, and no one took offense by any of that. I don't know. I understand what's happened. Well, we're all woke now. Speaking of vertically challenged, have you been watching the Michael Jordan thing? Ooh. Okay, now Michael Jordan, I, I'm I'm glad you brought him up. And everybody's well, watching. You tell your story. The, the story in the thing, <laughs> the clip that they have of Jordan razzing Jerry Krause is unbelievable. Yes. At one point, Krause walks by goes, "Jerry, you want to come do some layups with us?" And Krause like slithers away because <laughs> you know he's getting busted on. Yeah. And as he walks away, Jordan says loud enough so Jerry Krause can hear him, "It has to lower the rims for you." Unbelievable. <laughs> like, can you imagine that stuff in today? Can you imagine someone doing that to Belichick? But Jordan was not, not getting around. Well, Jordan had a kind of a caustic sense of humor as and well. He hated that guy. Was he with Charles Barkley? He's walking down the street and some panhandler came up to him and said, can you get a, spare, spare me a dollar? And Jordan just walked right past him, didn't say anything. And Barkley said, what do you want? How come you're so mean to that guy? Jordan says, if he can say, hey, you got a dollar, he can say, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? You Can go. you believe that? Said it right to Barkley. I believe it. Now, I would, the whole Michael Jordan thing, and everybody's watching that because there's nothing. I mean, I'm big on Netflix right now. I watched, I watched uh, Twilight Zone last night. <laughs> episode <laughs> one, episode one, season one, Earl Holloman. I mean, it was all about isolation, so I related very well to it. But I'm glad you brought up Michael Jordan, VB, because I have this category on this podcast called Brushes with Greatness, and I'm mm. going to ask you yours. 
uh, in a moment. This week too. But I actually look at top of my list. I made a list of all the Hall of Famers I've ever had conversations with in my life. You're a weirdo. Well, I'm bored. Is what it is. (laughs) I'm home doing nothing. So I have this brushes with greatness list, and the very first name on it is Hall of Famer Michael Jordan. Do you want to hear my story? I, yes, I do. Uh, I don't think I wasn't going to hear it either way. I was, but yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great point there, no, I don't want to hear that story. No. So I, I'm, co- <laughs> I'm working at Channel 3, and they send me up to cover the NBA All-Star, uh, the NBA uh, Hall of Fame game in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it was the Chicago Bulls playing against the Knicks or something. So they said, make sure you talk to Michael Jordan. Okay. So after the game, Instead of asking him the typical basketball repeat stupid questions, you know, I was playing this thing off like he was Elvis Presley. And I said to him, you know, there's five, ten people around him. I said, Michael, is it the, is it the shoes? And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, it is if you believe it will be. And I said, or is it the, uh, the underwear? You know, because he had the Hanes hat. He said, well, that too. And now he's kind of looking at me quizzically like, what's next? I said, or is it the Gatorade, you know? He looks at me, he gives me a smile and a half a wink, and he goes, a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, that's great. And I walked away, I had everything I needed, and I put it in the, because at that time, he was only making zillions twice as much off the court as he was on the court, and he knew exactly, he's a smart guy, you know. Uh, so it's the only conversation I've had with Michael Jordan. The following conversation I had with Scottie Pippen afterwards was much less enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the series is showing you who Scottie Pippen was, and he who we remembered he was. That yeah. guy was a dang first class. Yeah, yeah, he really was. Now, what's your biggest – because we've done this well, on this – before we do that, let's just do a quick memory lane, Adam, because you and I lived it, and for a lot of us, like I, whatever your sports love is, 80s NBA was about as good as it gets. What Jordan, that series is showing you is, do you realize when he scored 63 and 49 in those first two games against the Celtics, he lost that series 3-1. And then the next year, yeah. he got smoked by the bad boys. And the year after that, he got smoked by the bad boys again. It wasn't for three more years before he finally was able to get through. Right. Jordan comes into the league. He's going to deal with the Celtics, the best team in the history of the NBA. Ever. Then he's going to deal with the Pistons, the dirtiest team in the history of the NBA, just to get to the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, 80s NBA, you could not beat it, man. That was bloated. It was the greatest time to be a fan uh, of that sport. I don't think there's any question about it. It was the most interesting. And I'm, t- I'm sorry, right now the NBA is pissing me off. They're shooting threes all the time. They, they're traveling you know they they don't pay attention to the rules. It's all about me. Look at me, you know, and all this shit. I don't. I can't stand it. I can't stand it now. But I loved it. I still love the Celtics. And I l- absolutely, you're right. I adore the uh, '80s Celtics more than any team ever in the history of the NBA. No question. I'll give you a story that you'll enjoy, Adam. Is this a brush with greatness or whatever? But I'm covering the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, and back in I think it was in Jacksonville, right? And I did what you did, which is, okay, I got to go say something to Andy Reid on media day, and he's getting asked the same questions, and we know Andy Reid's a bit of a stick in the mud at the time. You know, like the Andy Reid this year that was joking about Chinese food, and he was making all sorts of cracks, and he was Mr. Funny Guy. So I'm like, all right, let's see if that guy's in there. So after 7,000 people ask him about Donovan McNabb and Brady and Belichick and all that, they go to the, the guy in Boston over there, and I go, you were Wilfork at a buffet. Who wins? 
Andy Reid looks at me and he pauses for about five seconds and he just stares at me and he goes, we're looking forward to a game on Sunday. Thanks. <laughs> and I thought that look that he gave is the look that when you make an offside on a third and four, right. you know, you know, you're fired. You're right. going to get cut the next day. And I, I took my mic and I just walked out. Yeah. There. yeah. That was the last time I ever spoke to Andy Reid. The grumpy walrus. Yeah, he's he's you a. Take, you take the shot. You know this. It's either gonna go, it's gonna go really awesome, or it's gonna be so bad you still got something to use. Yeah. In that case, it was the latter for me. Um. Now you were. I'm, I'm just assuming. I don't know how old you are. I'm going to assume that you were born in the in the late '60s. Very late '60s. Yes. Like '69. Sharon, Kate, and I have something in common. We've talked about this. Yeah. We have. August eighth, nineteen sixty-nine. Oh, seriously? You were born on the day yep. Sharon Tate was killed by the Manson family? Yep. And you, But you weren't there. That's suspicious. Which is why when I went to L.A. for the first time in my life last year, the first place I told my wife, well, the first place I told her to take me was the In-N-Out Burger, and that was worth the trip. And then the second place, as I was eating In-N-Out fries, we had to go pay homage to Sharon Tate, and we went to the Grace Ball. Wow. So you're right around 5-0. Yeah. The big five zero, and this is amazing because fifty years ago it was nineteen seventy. Yeah, so yeah, you're right in the wheelhouse here. So, what do you know about Gilligan's Island? <laughs> Not more than Joe Castig from the intro, man. That guy knew his Gilligan's he, Island. He knew his stuff. All right, because I got Ben all queued up here with a quiz, and I, what I'll do is I'll cover for you. And if I get one wrong, <laughs> if I get one wrong, Smitty I can. I want to use Castig as my lifeline. He's still around. I know he is. <laughs> He's in the other room, I think. We got a a, a, a quiz for you. And it was, let's not do it multiple choice. Let's throw the question out and see if he can get it on the first guess. Sure, no okay. problem. Question number one: What was the name of the castaways' boat on Gilligan's Island? Yes, that's Minnow. Very, yeah, very good. good. Very He's one good. for one. I'm ready on the score here. According to the theme song of Gilligan's Island. How long was the boat tour supposed to take? Is this for me? Yeah. They're yes. all for you. A three-hour tour. Right. Very good. He's two. Now, these are the ducky questions. These easy ones. Okay, it gets a little more difficult. Go ahead. What was the official name of the theme song to Gilligan's Island? You down with OPP, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh. <laughs> The correct answer is the, the ballad yes. of Gilligan's Isle. Oh, the nice. ballad. Okay. Nicely done. It did. It gave it a little Western flavor. Yes. Yeah, we're going to ask you who did the song later here. Okay. Question number four. <laughs> How many castaways were there? Do, just do the song in your head really quickly. The, the Howells, there was uh, Ginger, Marianne, there was the Professor, there was Gilligan, there's the Skipper, Count of the Castaway. I'll say eight. <laughs> he just did the math. <laughs> it's, it's seven. Seven. Uh, we, uh, who, who, you, who is I he? I tried to mark, I know I'm missing somebody. I, I think I you doubled up one. But, but who is it? Gideon the monkey or something? <laughs> I mean, come on. There's no. <laughs> I thought in the pilot there was somebody that then came out. So in the pilot, I think there was eight. The pilot. Pontius Pilot was in the. Uh, no, but it's seven. <laughs> they they named them all in the jingle. You know, you, you just. You, VP, you got that wrong, man. Question number five. Gilligan's <laughs> Island uh, creator Sherwood Schwartz also created which iconic sitcom? 
this one I should know because I have interviewed Sherwood Schwartz, as a matter of fact. You, you did. Uh, it's a, a very – I brush with one. greatness. It's a very iconic theme as well. All right, why don't you give them three choices? I could give you three choices. MASH, the Beverly Hillbillies, or the Brady Bunch? Got to be the Hillbillies. The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Question number six. This is a hard quiz, isn't it? What was the skipper's nickname for Gilligan on Gilligan's Island? Little Buddy. Yes. Yes. Question number seven. That's what Adams refers to. Well, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I call him Little Elvis. Because of the sideburns? It's the helmet. It's what Mayor Cianci used to refer to. You get the idea. Question number seven. What was Ginger's last name on Gilligan's Island? Ginger's last? Name. Oh my God, I should know this. Yes. This explains the gray in the beard. I'm losing my mind. Ginger's left. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It, wa- it wasn't slut meat. <laughs> Was it spice? Ginger spice? No. <laughs> no. No. Ginger. She came much later on. Ginger Grant. Ginger Grant. Yeah, two, oh, yeah, yeah. two for four. Question number eight. You got three out of four, three out of seven so far. Here we go. We got to get a D, at least a D here. What is the professor's actual name on Gilligan's Island? Randolph Hoover, William Jefferson, or Roy Hinckley? <laughs> I love this quiz. It's got to be Roy Hinckley. It is. Ding, ding. Hey, he's even up at four, four piece. Here we All go. Right. This is what these are the. Oh, wait. How many you got? I don't know. Let's stop at 10. It goes on wait, forever. Hold on. You got to. How many? Scroll down here. Dude, it goes on for Holy like 50 shit. questions. You got 20. All right, we'll just go through 11 then so you can have any. Oh, this thing has 50 questions. I bet you I know the answers to all of them. All right, question number nine. What is the skipper's actual name on Gilligan's Island? Don't don't tell him this one. Don't give him choices because he's going to know it's not Melvin Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> What's skipper's real name? This See, this is, you got to be, I mean, how old were you, was he one. in 65? Do you, you have to call him Castig on this See, one? I know for trivia, too. Like, I can tell you who his father was, for example, in real life. Yeah, Alan Hales Sr. Ah. <laughs> can I go to Joe Castig on this one? He's uh, calling his, in a lifeline. His actual name was Jonas Grumby. Very Jonas good. Grumby, not to be, of course, confused with Gumby and uh, Pokey of the Gumby and Pokey fame. Uh, very good. You used I up your lifeline. I believe he was a plucky southpaw, too, Joe, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, here comes the pitch from the soft-throwing left-handed palindrome, Steve Otto. <laughs> Question number... You know who his father was, right? Or what his real name was? Who? Of course you know that, Adam. Whose real name? The Skipper. Oh, Alan who Hale was the Sr. the that played him, yeah. Yeah, Alan Hale Jr. was the... With, yeah, his fa- he was trying to live up to his dad's uh, reputation. <laughs> he didn't quite make it with Gilligan's <laughs> Island. He was in a lot of shit, though. He's, a lot of, he's in a lot of westerns. All right, Qu- here we go. Question number 10. Jim Backus portrayed Thurston Howell III on Gilligan's Island. He's also known for voicing which famous cartoon character? Magoo, you My George, it's Mr. Magoo. GE soft white bulbs. All right, you want to end at 11? That was pretty good, Adams. I got to give you that. that you, want, good. you want to end at 11? Hey, George. What? Final question. Yeah, here we go. What was the home state of Marianne, who I met? I'll give you the options Iowa. I met her. Kansas. Texas. The home state of Mary. I'm going to go Iowa. Kansas. Uh. 
And Kansas, he said, is the name of the star. Hey, by the way, the actual girl, woman who played Marianne, whose name was, uh, what's her name? Go ahead, BB. I'm I'm, I'm, going to ask one more. Don Wells. We got Tina Louise. We got Don Wells yeah, and Tina Louise. Wells. Yes, she was an actual beauty queen from the state of Nevada. She was Miss Nevada before oh. she was ever in Gilligan's Island. See? I met her when she was in her sixties, when it was the nineties, back in New York, and she was beautiful. Yeah. To th- still, yeah. now she's eighty-two, so I'm not sure how good she looks right now. <laughs> Tina Louise was also beautiful. However, when Howie interviewed her back in the day, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. A lot like Scotty Pippen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. Kind of a dumb bitch. <laughs> she was she had a children's book that she was promoting. Yeah. And so we said, sure, come on in. And she said, by the way, like two minutes before we go on, she goes, I don't talk about or I will not answer questions about Gilligan's Island. Hey, we're back with Tina Louise. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. What are we doing with you if we can't talk about <laughs> Gilligan's Island? Thanks for ruining all my show prep. You know, I, well, you've got enough show prep here at Gilligan's Island now. If you ever have her on again, then you just insist on it. You go live with it and let her get pissed and walk out. <laughs> That's what I did with Robert Vaughn. You know, I said, well, we're going to talk man from uncle the whole time he walked out. Um, VB, so what are you going to do now with if this thing goes on for another six months? What are you going to do uh, to entertain those beautiful children of yours? What are you going to do? Are you going to put a theme park in your yard? <laughs> We've done it already. We got a zip line up for God's sake. We had the fire pit going yesterday. There's talk of a trampoline. I'm like, I can't do this stuff. And we're all turning into Tim Allen. It's home proof. Right. We all know how to do things now that we were never supposed to know how to do. There's a huge pile of rocks in my yard. I go, What the hell is that? She said, You're moving it next week. I'm what? <laughs> but okay, I guess I don't know where, but I'm moving these rocks apparently. You're breaking so. rocks in the hot sun. You fought the law and the law won. Um, well, best of luck to you. I, I, the VB uh, in the middle program is noon to three on WRKO, and VB is one of the best there is in the business, no question. You should listen to him after Bill O'Reilly, before Howie Carr, VB in the middle. And uh, I'm going to send your lovely children a coffee cake because they're just that cute. They loved it last time. They would love it again. And let me tell you something. This is how you know I'm a good friend, Adams. 421 is a tough day for you under any circumstances. But to be on the day after 420 when you couldn't really celebrate 420, yeah. I'm here for you, my friend. <laughs> He's a good man, Mike. He's a good yeah, man. That's good. Well, I need help on that day. You're right. You know, because I have memories. 420 is the day I got busted at a car wash in Vernon, Connecticut, Mr. Sparkle Car Wash. It happened on 420. Back in 1994, so it, it's always had. Plus, it was Hitler's birthday. If you get, if, if <laughs> honest to God, I mean, it's like who who celebrates Hitler's birthday? It's like, hey, happy birthday, Adolf. No, rotten hell, you piece of shit. You know, it's it's just where you go with that. VB, good talking to you again, and thanks for coming on the uh, the podcast. Luckily, this isn't live. I feel like we could end it with my Tina Louise story, and no one will have to know about that last 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, my friend. Stay healthy. Always good talking, guys. Now I'm going back into my basement where I've been for six weeks. <laughs> VB, everybody. <laughs>